Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Four, strap it down. Three, flip it over. Two, calibrating for fun. Blast off! Welcome to the Dan Fogler 40 Experience Podcast. Get ready. Uh, How you guys doing? Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the comic book roundtable at Fogler's Fiction Fest. Man, I... God. God damn it, I'm happy to see a lot of you people here. Most of you. All of you. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Okay, let me do a little introductions, and then Jeff is really going to be the, the host of this because he's an amazing interviewer, uh, and it'll, we'll talk about him. Let's talk about him. So Jeff has interviewed everybody uh, that you've ever loved or, or, or ever had a, any idol, any you know, kind of person that you're just like, yeah, did he interview the boss? Yes. Did he interview Hunter S. Thompson? Yeah. You know, he's like, if you have someone uh, that, or any rock star, I mean, there's a lot of people he's interviewed. You can ask him during the course of this. Um, and, uh, so Justin Molman is, uh, my producing partner. Uh, I couldn't have done this without him. He was there at the very beginning of this, helping yeah. me, um, um, package all this stuff and, and fuck, man, you know, uh, thank you a million times. It's, it's been like almost four years. I, I know you guys for a nice chunk of time here, man. Uh, through heavy metal, that's how I met you. And then uh, Andrew Harrison, um, I met him. Uh, we were at some crazy Zen retreat. I was like, "This yeah. guy is cool." Yeah. And then uh, we, and then we just started talking about Moon Lake and whatever he was writing. A bunch of great stuff. He'll tell you what he writes. He's doing amazing stuff now. I'm so happy to see you, man. I, I you, you dropped off the planet for a second, and I was just like reaching out. And our books were coming onto shelves, and I was like, "Fuck, we got to share this." Uh, because the, I'm I'm elated, um, but he was there when I started putting uh, Moon, um, the second volume of Moon Lake together, yeah, um, which is my Twilight Zone, um, and that was and- in 2012 when you were 50 50 as to whether the the Mayan prophecy would end. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was making a movie yeah. called Dante. But you still were like, let's do all this work. Yeah, we're doing it right now. Look, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. could be the apocalypse right now. We're still like folklore's fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I are comics, like you know what the fuck? What else can we do? And and you know, so so I love this guy. I, he's I got love for all you guys, but but Andrew um, is is like a, a real brother here. Uh, he um, helped me package and did a lot of writing for the second volume of moon lake um and then when i got to brooklyn gladiator i was like man i'm i'm getting really busy here i got this idea for this dystopian sci-fi book um and i handed him like this i was like you're you're a good writer i like where your head's at and i handed him like what was it like 25 pages of like elaborate outline of how the first you know arc would go I handed it to him and he like chills it away and he's and he created um basically helped um you know morph all of that <laughs> that i gave him into uh brooklyn gladiator zero with the glenn fabe with the glenn fabry cover and um Great cover. which yeah and um which dennis was the, the mvp on dennis calero because he came in and helped us color it at the last fucking second when we were trying to sell it um and um and so dennis has you know been a buddy ever since that um and uh i mean i'm not done you know praising all these guys well when andrew talks you know he's he's doing amazing things now dennis calero if you saw the animation uh that we did (laughs) for my podcast we showed that earlier after the uh the impressions with ross marquand um, Dennis was responsible for that. Dennis also um, did, so we put out this new, uh, re- we repackaged volume one of Moon Lake and we put new right. material. In. So there's new material in this. 
and uh, Dennis did the Camelot, uh, Mister Space Time meets uh, the you know the Zombie King story. A lot of fun. Story, um, which was a lot of fun, and uh, you know it's like Army of Darkness tribute, basically. Exca- Ex- I think of it as Excalibur on acid. Yeah, a lot of my stuff is on acid. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and then I haven't even seen have... that omnibus yet. That looks amazing. Oh yeah, dude, you got to get yeah. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you got to share in all the joy I have here. I got all the books here. It's fucking great. Um, and and uh, Karen Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. This is the biz, man. This is Simon. This is Simon Beasley. Everybody, I I I picked up a Lobo, um, uh, magazine. Comic book. I, corrupted, I corrupted you as well. So. Yeah, you corrupted me, man. <laughs> Heavy metal and your covers and Lobo, and you had yeah. such an influence influence on me. So when I started making my books, I was like, um, I, I Ben McCool is another guy that couldn't be here. He he, you know, put peppered in some of his genius into Brooklyn Gladiator. Yeah. He knows Simon as, as well as uh, Heidi McDonald, um, and the two of sure. them said, "Yeah, we know Simon Beasley," and I said, "You do." <laughs> and, they were, and I was like, can you make an introduction? Because I would love to work with him. Even if we just did covers, I got right. to talk I got to mm. talk to Simon a little bit and, and uh, I convinced him to fucking do interiors. I was like, so I'm just a kid. I'm a kid in the candy store. Um, well, thanks, thanks, for paying, thanks for paying so well. Hey, man. <laughs> Listen, and, no, so, and so quickly. <laughs> what, I'll, what I'll say is that's, that's a big that, deal in comics. It's a big deal. That is a big deal. And Wait, people, people get paid. People, yeah. <laughs> Biz, people of your Simon, people of your uh, you know, caliber deserve to get paid quickly. And they you know, and um so I, I give a lot of uh I, man, I just got a lot of love for him. I also Ben Temple Smith who did Fish Kill. Yeah. Um, these are guys who I I have so much love for and I can't believe I got to work with them and um, so, you know, Jeff, take it away, man. Yeah, Thanks, you're right. what a great group, man. Congratulations on getting all these people together. It's it's awesome. They're all amazing. Um, I was going to start with Simon or Karen. Um, <laughs> what, uh, you've, as, you, as you look at comics now and as you look at the <laughs> comics that you're doing, um, yeah. I, just, if it doesn't sound too touchy-feely, what do you see these days as like your biggest challenge and your biggest opportunity as like an artist and as a creator? What, you know, when you look back on the things you've done and the things you're doing now, where do you find the things that challenge you and, and what do you see as the, the thing that you're most excited about? Well, I'm most excited about actually doing my own stuff now, working on my own projects. I've had, over the years, I've, had, I've stored up so many ideas and sketches and ideas. I want to do the ultimate pieces. So I'm actually currently doing those which will be revealed at some point in my life. Basically, I want to go to my grave, you know, like uh, making amends for some of the shit I did before. <laughs> so uh, so what makes me excited? I think what makes me excited is other people getting excited. If everyone's excited, then, it, you know, you, we all feed off each other's energy, you know. What gets me excited is really good work, good art, good stories. And that just fires me straight up, and that makes it the end want to get into it, you know. Yeah. And yeah. You, what about... Uh, you know, as far as uh, the the textures and the and the the look of your art, I, I remember those logo, the, the art just jumping off the page, and it looks so different than the other stuff I've seen around that time. Um, did you find uh, did you incorporate a lot of rock and roll album cover art or posters or what, what other influence beyond comics did you kind of draw on? Well, at the time I was riding around on Harley Davidson chopper, I was building choppers, I had long yeah. hair. I was like bodybuilding, you know, doing all the drugs and shit. You know, my whole fucking thing. I was completely insane. I was wild, you know, and I was a comic book artist as well. So I was drawing all the energy from the music I enjoyed and the, and, and the bikers around me, the people around me. And in exciting times, we we were young, you know, and yeah. uh, life was right there for us, you know. So uh, you just use, like, again, I feel off the energy of, 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 of around what's around me. I suck it all up. Because a lot of your best work's done not actually doing any work. It's done just hanging out, hanging out at bars, talking to people, you know, you know, uh, listening to what other people have to say about this and that and the other, you know, and even books and a lot of that, TV, films, and everything else. Just going for, going for a ride on a bike, you know, you get fired up. 
and then you get down and, and you get the work done and all your experiences go, go into the work yeah it's the, the rhythm good, of it the good the good the good and the bad the very good and the very bad goes in there you know yeah you, you know, can't really, do anything but you can't do anything like conviction unless you've lived something you know you lived yeah. it a little bit yeah that's one of the great things is when you see the really great artists when people are drawing life that they've had or experiences they're not drawing somebody else's art because you can see when people draw other people's art as opposed yeah. to when they kind of channel oh, something we, that's a little authentic we do, i think we do we pilfer we stay with thieves or vultures we cannibalize but that's right. what we do if you lived in an attic what would you draw how, how would you know how to draw so we draw from things we like you know whether it's like on purpose or not but we, you can see influences in people's writing people influences in their art from from other sources even i'm, I'm influenced by current artists you know and I steal that stuff, but blend it in so they can't really notice. <laughs> nice. Was it Neil Young said, uh, professionals steal amateur sparrow? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty good. I was, very, I was very annoyed in the old days when people ripped me off, but now <clears throat> I'm, I'm very glad of it because it means I was of worth, of some, of worth something mm -hmm. of worth. Right. It's like the ongoing conversation between everybody in a way, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you know collaboration's never been harder than it is these days because of the pandemic and everything that's going on. Uh, I was going to go through and talk to you guys about it. Andrew, for you, like, how do you stay connected to people? And, and uh, what is it that you see as like uh, the place that you want to go? What's the, the horizon for your, your work these days? Well, uh, it's it's weird because, you know, when when I met Dan, I like I'd had one book on like two on five ink and and actually the, you know, uh, getting involved with Moon Lake and Brooklyn Gladiator and stuff got my stuff out there and I got enough kind of tendrils out there to actually it really helped me get like where I am now, like, uh, you know, Disney games and interactive. So um, having that like and that was, you know. I've been there for over two years now. And I mean, Justin, you've been doing this for a while, but for me, it was like, Oh my God, I have a full-time job and I like it. What the fuck? <laughs> That's going right. On? Yeah. And you get paid. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like totally crazy. So I got, you know, and, I, but I'm eager to get back into comics, especially now that the landscape is so like chaotic, you know, like it, it seems like a dangerous time for comics, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the time to invest is when there's blood in the streets, right? Right. So, um, you know, so I, I, I'm really, you know, I'm really to, excited to get back in there, you know? Yeah, that's interesting uh, because there's a lot of people that are worried about comics and worried about where they're going and how they're going. And um, just for uh, Dennis, what are, you, what are you worried about these days? when you? Think well, I, I, it's interesting that you bring this up. I don't worry about comics as a, concept because words and pictures will always exist in some form i worry about people yeah. i worry about my friends who draw them write them color them letter them uh to see them want to be employed and, and and it was very interesting what was just said because yeah the landscape has really shifted i think uh i mean there's a little bit of inside baseball so i'll, I'll keep it brief but i think the two main things are that there was a question a few years ago whether all of these fans going to be superhero movies, right? Avengers and what have you, if any of that was going to translate into readership. And I think sadly, the answer is not really, very little. I, I, I don't know why that is. I don't think anybody knows why that is. Because um, if they knew, they would have done it. Um, and at the same time, it is a very chaotic field right now. And there's a lot of, it, it translates to a lot of opportunity. I mean, I've, I've gotten to more and more work with great people like Dan uh, and work with uh, people like John Carpenter and Sandy um, and, and be invited to do, to do my own stories and to also participate in, in stories that I really believe in, uh, in, in situations that I'm more likely to benefit directly as an artist, as a writer, if things are successful. I think that's a net positive. Um, how it all shakes out, I, I'm not really sure. It's, it's, I think for right now, for people who are good at what they do and do what they say they're gonna do when they say they're gonna do it, I think it's a really good time. Yeah. It, it, with the movie thing, I, I, you know, when Batman came out in 1989, uh, 
over, uh, Michael Uslin, one of the producers uh, that kind of shepherded to the screen, a few months after it came out, the editors from Marvel took him out and bought him lunch. And he's like, what is this? Why are you guys doing this? And they, they had experienced a 20% bump across the line uh, mm. from that movie. But that was really the first and last time that happened. You know, like you don't yeah. really see that anywhere. And the, there's probably a bunch of reasons it's hard for fans to get the comics in some ways. The stories aren't connected to the movies. In any I think that's a big factor. I think it's literally just because the tension spans have shrunk. And people just don't want to read. They'd rather just watch. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's true. Read readership. Yeah. yeah. Reading is definitely down in general, which concerns, concerns all more than ever. Um, yeah. But I think you made a, uh, Jeff made a really good point about kids. Cause I've, I've seen it. Kids picking up a comic. They've just seen a Spider-Man movie. They're super excited and they pick up the comic and they don't know what they're looking at. They don't, they don't see the characters that they know and love. Um, which is why I've always said that Marvel should have a, a line of cinema, cinema comics, comics that are just just focused on these are the storylines from the films and use it as a gateway to uh, to corrupt them and hook them into uh, into our uh, passion. Yeah. But uh, no one listens to me. It, it's interesting because Star Wars is why I started reading comics. I, I, the first comic books I read were the Star Wars comics that Marvel put out in 77. You know, that's really? the first thing I remember reading and then went into everything else. Uh, and eventually got the heavy metal because I mean, come on, boobs, you gotta love that. So, uh, but there, there is, it's interesting the way things dovetail and sometimes don't. Uh, mm. Justin, you were talking about um, the sort of competition between, uh, I think you were talking about the competition between if you put a stack of comics on, in front of kids and you put a smartphone in front of kids, they're yeah. gonna die for the smartphone. Yeah. But, but also there's, we see a lot of uh, exciting things you know, uh, exchange between different media uh, and medium for sure. It's a video games, comics, films, and things like that. Yeah. Um, tell me something that that you see there that you think is really cool, and and how much have video games affected the way comics or storytelling goes, for instance? I mean, it's it's interesting because um, if you look what a comic book is, especially, I mean, I think me and Dan have had this conversation a bunch of times because the comic book is literally just a really detailed storyboard in a lot of ways based off a script that leads to either becoming a TV show or movie or a video game. And um, I've been doing games now for 20 years. And when I first started, it's just, it's crazy because every single console generation, there's more power, which means you get more memory, which means all of a sudden that character that couldn't move its fingers can go like this and grab something or it can open its mouth and talk or have more emotion so especially with the playstation 5 and the new xbox coming out it, you see more of a blend uh of cinematic coming into it just more and more um i mean and then look at even like the how how much tech is coming out so I, right now i work at epic games and our, our tech unreal we use for like obviously like fortnite and a lot of playstation 5 games gears of war and stuff but it, it's being used to create the backgrounds and art for the Mandalorian, for the new Batman, for Disney. Yeah. So um, I think it's cool seeing how much more, uh, like we have way more tools in video games, but it allows us to literally go to a comic book and use that as a really detailed storyboard that it gives us established timeframes. Um, I can pull from it settings, objects, characters, plots, and all that stuff just turns into, all right, cool. Even like Brooklyn Gladiator, me and Dan had like had these conversations like that you can easily make that a game because uh, yeah. it gives you the hero character. You got like you can literally, if you want to make an old school like uh, like an arcade game, just take some of these characters and make them mini bosses or like big bosses and just like there's it's easily transferable. I think. It's fascinating when that, that, that synergy happens. You know, like you look at a movie like, uh, you know, Sin City, or you look at a movie like Scott Pilgrim and the way that they're influenced by the storytelling on the page. Mm -hmm. but one of the things that movies don't do that comics often do is, is, or should do is take chances. You know, like, I mean, mm -hmm. things in comics can really get, um, that's where you, it is a storyboard. So you can, you, you know, that's why Jack Kirby was, 50 years ahead of Hollywood is because he had the unlimited special effects budget of his, his, his pen and his ink. Uh, exactly. Well, man, I think, think about it. Like if someone has an idea, who's going to sit down and try to, um, I watched this TV show called Silicon Valley and they, they had this funny skit in it. And then they have a designer trying to talk, like create established visual language. So a lot of people who 
write or don't know how to do art, it, it's hard for them sometimes to translate what they want to do unless they start throwing in pop culture. Like, hey, it's going to look like aliens. It's going to play like Indiana Jones. Um, the minute you get an artist in there, uh, like Dennis or Karen over here, Simon, <laughs> uh, it, it starts to like, like, like with Brooklyn Gladiator, Dan doesn't have to really explain it. He just shows the cover and it's like, oh shit, now I get it. It's true. It speeds yeah. it up and it builds like the confidence that someone would want to do to invest in it, to make it. <laughs> a yeah, uh, Jeff, can I? Yeah, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, if I was wanting to interject really quick, I think that there, uh, there's a really, for anybody out there that's interested in getting into comics, there was a point made just now that I think that was really powerful, which is that there was, there was a point when comics could do things visually that TV and games could not do. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have a million spaceships, couldn't have all, you know, the, the, this Jack Kirby, uh, even, even up to the 80s, 90s, oh, yeah. all, all of this explosive action, these crazy concepts. And now, arguably, movies and TV shows could do that in, in a way that feels, um, in some ways, more immediate and more grounded than ever before. But what comics can do, to Jeff's point, is take risks. Because, all, of course, video games, movies, TV cost an incredible, staggering amount of money. Uh, money that, uh, you know, in a way, it makes a lot of sense that if you're gambling that much money, you're, you're going to be risk averse and, and comics. That's where you, that's much like the portrait painter when the camera was invented, comics artists and writers have to shift our perspective and start to focus on the things that these other mediums can't do. And, and one of those things that I wanted to just draw attention to the point is take risks, tell different kinds of stories uh, so that, um, you know, there, there, so there, there is a reality that comics um, are surviving largely today as test beds for IP to be moved onto more lucrative uh, platforms. But there still is and always will be an audience for stories that take risks and do things that just live and breathe in comics. And that, that's, I think that's the, the beauty of comics and the beauty of graphic novels is that there is an audience of people who will take these stories to heart that are different, that can't live in any other medium. Um, and we have to cherish that. That, that was my only point. No, oh, it's a and great point. I wish, I wish uh, someone had explained that as eloquently as you did to AT&T. <laughs> <laughs> Six months ago. Are we going, are we going there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I, gotta be careful. Uh, I was trying to explain it to him, but they dropped my call. Uh, so what can I do? But, but it, uh, it makes sense what you said, Dennis, because it's like, there's something about holding it, but also if you see a lot of these, like I've sat in calls for like uh, projects to get greenlit and they, could we do this, but let's shave this off because we don't want to offend this person or we don't want to offend this thing. We don't want to, or this could cost too much to do or we don't know what to do it with comics. You can do whatever you want. And I think that's initially why I loved always checking out like heavy metal, for example, because I felt like anything went there. Like if, it's very punk rock that way. Yeah. yeah if someone had an idea and, like a different publisher's like, no, 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 we have to keep ourselves a little bit more PG. Cool, go over there. You can keep the boobs. But it was it was always a cheap <laughs> test. It's always a cheap. It's a cheap test bed. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, can do what exactly you, right. you do. You do it like there's no money raised and there's no real real money spent. And if it works, and it can translate it to the movie. Yeah. And there's the singular singular. Uh, sometimes you get these singular voices. I mean, film is the most collaborative art and film and television are the most sure. collaborative arts of all because it takes an army of people to, to do something and you can still have an auteur uh, presence that can uh, express uh, him or herself in a, a powerful way. But then you look at something like, a, you know, a Frank Miller comic book or a Mobius story. And I mean, there you're getting, you know, like what Picasso, I mean, not trying to, no, yeah, that's, 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 an doing, ap- that's an getting what Picasso's yeah. reaction to f- photography was is I can't draw a perfect portrait of every human being like a, a camera can, but I can find out what's going on in behind the, the, the time and molecules of these objects, you know, dig deeper in a different way, you know. I, I always think of um, uh, the Beaux Arts students that, uh, you know, when photography was becoming really prevalent. And they were like, oh, I'm sorry, when, when abstract stuff was becoming really prevalent, like Brock and Picasso, people like that. And these were people that were classically trained and they're like, well, what do we do now? And they, some of them became surrealists. They said, well, you know, again, it's what, what can we do that other mediums can't do? I think comics, um, 
I think that I think that there's a large number of of artists and writers who sort of want to still act like this is the eighties and the nineties um, and are frustrated. Um, and to your, your point earlier, they don't see that the, the opportunities that are coming up that that's created by the like, things aren't going to be the way they were. They're just not, they never are, you know, uh, but we can, there's still ways to apply the basic talents of crafting a story and illustrating it. And there's, there's always a way to apply those things. Yeah. And Dan, how are you? <laughs> Fucking baked, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, are you in the UK? Yeah, I'm in the UK. It's late. Oh, I'm God. Like, I'm running on fumes. I have like, I'm, I have no sleep. I'm shooting fantastic beasts. I'm fucking coordinating this whole thing. But um, I'm listening. I, I was actually just sitting back and going, look at this. Look at these guys. I love them. I'm sitting here and I'm just like, like looking at the comic books and just like, I'm a kid in the candy store, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, I am the guy who's still nostalgic and is living in the 80s and 90s. So you got the books right there. So, oh, yeah. so when, when you talk about how I got the writing, ones too. And then I want to really talk about Broken Gladiator for a second. Um, so when you talk about, you know, I'm always thinking um, multilaterally, franchisable. That's how I grew up, man. Um, and uh, so Moon Lake specifically is, is an homage to Twilight Zone and Heavy Metal, the movie specifically, which I saw a million fucking right. times. So it built into it that it's a, it's a, that it is a TV show. <laughs> and we're, so now we're like making an animated show right now. We're in the middle of, we're putting that together. Um, and uh, so let's talk about Brooklyn Gladiator for a second. Yeah. For a second. Simon, are you, are you a fan of um, George St. Pierre? You know, the MMA guy? Oh, you know who he is? It's just this okay. guy. <laughs> okay, so George St. Pierre is like... I may have looked, I may have seen him. GSP, okay. So he's he's like the he's probably like known as the GOAT, like the greatest of all time in mixed yeah. martial arts. He he was sitting next to me in a Comic Con. He was like he was like, um that guy yeah, you have it. That guy kinda looks like me, you know, and he he does, you know. And uh so and he wants to be in it. So I'm in the middle of adapting a movie. <laughs> Andrew, I'm going to send that over to you when I'm finished with it. Um, oh. And uh, just to come full circle, bro. And so here are the books that are out on shelves now. So we got... Um, <laughs> I got Simon Beasley. Okay, so... Karen, Karen Beasley. So uh, we, got, yeah. we got the first issue, which has been out uh, for a couple months. We got the second issue. I love this fucking cover. It's so badass. Uh, and then this is the one that's out now. It just came out. Mm, Look that, at that. Holy shit. Man. I love the it's yellow fucking, on that. That just pops so good. It really does. They're it really very sunny. lurid. Yellow then, is an yeah. underrated color. And it's classic. Uh, like, I grew up on heavy metal, man. So, you know, there's the fucking Simon Beasley lady. Hey, no. Man! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I, I, I'm just so fucking excited. So there's there's uh, a lot going on with that. The other thing that's going on is uh, is Fishkill, with, oh, um, which Fishkill. is the prequel to Brooklyn Gladiator. Because I was as I was writing Brooklyn Gladiator, I was like, "Holy shit, we are living in the, the sci-fi dystopian insanity right now." Oh boy, brother! <laughs> These are the seeds uh, yeah. that. Wait, wait. Uh, sure. This book is coming out real soon, and uh, these are the books that are out now. So you know, Fishkill reminds me of my bad. marriage, and Brooklyn Gladiator reminds me of my divorce. This one comes out next week. <laughs> <laughs> Got dark real, real quick. <laughs> just, sorry. I saw that yellow color, and it just took me back to the... Does that remind you of your divorce, too, right there? Splurge. Splurge. <laughs> yeah. That's Splurge. the noise of my heart bouncing on the pavement. It's a rough time for, you know dystopian the dystopian genre it because is you try to you try to you try like, to pack it in there and then all of this and then you're like ah this is great and then like some jamiroquai looking buffalo man <laughs> usurps the republic <laughs> you're like oh no i gotta start all over what the fuck Dude, 
Jamiroquai. What a that's a pole right there. <laughs> that's a deep wow. pole. But yeah. or is it or is it like the blues when people feel sad, they you know, people feel something, they want something to reflect what they're feeling rather than just to escape it. So maybe it's the perfect time. Well, it's interesting, right? Because like when you have really good times, uh people uh sci-fi pushes toward kind of darkness and then other times sci-fi pushes toward positivity i mean you look like star trek no matter what happens it's still inherently positive or, mm. or optimistic uh as opposed to like mad max or terminator where it's like you know skulls are gonna get crushed uh step right down. um and there's some people too that like if you look at uh you know uh what's the book uh that uh, uh oh gosh i can't think of the name of it right now uh neon future Mm. where uh you know the that comic's about idealizing when humans finally give in and make ourselves it, 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 it embracing technology like right. we've always seen like uh becoming less human as uh, a negative consequence in, in fiction now it's being put forward as the goal uh which is kind of interesting you know but right. dan you were talking about growing up with heavy metal and and um you know, you, you were saying that you're still back then. Well, I mean, you, you, you appreciate that era, but the stuff you're doing is not, uh, it's not like echoing the past. It's, 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 it's like a Tarantino thing where you're, you're taking the, the familiar stuff of the past and then kind of shoving it into your own uh, really twisted, depraved world. So that's you know that's a positive. That's forward, dude. That's forward. That's not backward. Wait, what were what were you just talking about right before that? I was going to say something. Fucking idea? Are you kidding? Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the neon future. Oh yes, nice. I got it. So, <laughs> I haven't smoked too much weed, so um, <laughs> I think that as in doing this writing dystopian sci-fi, Brooklyn Gladiator, which has at the core of it become. Um, how is technology a tool or are we the fucking tool of the technology mm -hmm. or are we, or are we stronger without the scaffolding of technology as, as John Miller becomes blossoms as a fucking psychic Jedi. So I think that that's, but Hey, what is that? What does that sound like? Fucking star Wars um, where, you know, Luke, it's the yin yang, man. Luke has a little bit of tech. He has to have the tech because of hand it's a, it's a tool, but yeah. fucking Vader is the fucking tech. Right. Right. And, right. But that's the evil versus good. Like, is tech evil? And, and no, it's not. It can be used for good. That's why it's the yin yang. You have a little bit of good inside the evil and a little bit of evil inside the good. So it's this, it's this, I see it as this constant, all, all of these things are connected by this question of technology uh, versus what are we capable of without it if we just get rid of the fucking crutches? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, but there's always there's so often been that flip where uh, humanity loses touch with its 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 heritage or its its essence, essential and, nature. Yeah, yeah, and, and and is taken over or destroyed or threatened by the thing that it very much created. But like what you're saying is like guns don't kill people, uh, people kill people. But do cyborgs kill people um, or people <laughs> kill people? But I think cyborgs actually do kill people. Uh, but you know, it depends. <laughs> But I, well, they're, well, they're currently been designed to, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're currently designed to. You can't tell me that fucking robot dog. It won't take long. To <laughs> How long oh. does it take to stick a gun on it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, and now we're back to my marriage. Robot dog in it with a gun. It. Yeah. You're is right. that what your book is about, Simon? But don't worry about it. Just paint, dog. Paint paint, oh, paint oh wait. Yellow. Just paint everything yellow. It'll be fine. I just remembered something from earlier that I just that just came up from my subconscious. Simon, I would yeah. love to see I would love to see you write a book that is you kind of like a Christmas uh, future, present and past kind of thing. But with like fucking Lobo or, or I don't know, like something like that, where you, you kind of um, are put through. Uh, you know, the trials, you know, like fucking Hercules has to go into the underworld oh, yeah. and you know, come out. I want to see that story with you as the fucking hero. The last temptation of Karen Bisley. No that, man. I would love to fucking see it. Fine, we'll talk about it. It's an idea. That's a good idea. I like it. Yeah.
do you guys just run it down? Do you do you find that you uh, think that you are inherently optimistic or inherently pessimistic in your storytelling uh, or your your the storytelling that attracts you? Do you do you or is that too simplistic? Is it just it's good or bad? Do you it's not about the theme? Elaborate. I like putting. Well, I mean, like yeah. you know, James Cameron. Uh, he inherently believes. I mean, you can that if we give ourselves over to, to technology too much, we'll lose something essential in us and our connection to nature, and and therefore we'll be pulled down. So, uh, if it's a sci-fi story, it's going to have a negativity to it. Um, yeah. Other people, uh, you know, like uh, like we were talking about, like that really they see technology as just a natural extension of of the human body is just the next part of the soul that hasn't been connected yet. Uh, that would be a much, or Gene Roddenberry, like I said, is, is inherently yeah. optimistic. His is like, we got to go discover stuff. It'll be great. And we'll, people will try and kill us, but you know, it'll be okay. You know, with Paul Verhoeven, it's just all about co-ed yeah. locker rooms. That's the whole thing. With him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, and you know, wow, that was, it, that was the most jolting moment in of my youth watching films is when they just start taking showers again i'm like what it's it's like porkies but no one thinks it's a bad or what i just wasn't like i i would have voted for him for president if he had run back then well my, I, my I, thing, the things things will just go back to nature anyway regardless things will go back to nature when it, right. shit hit the man. because the uh the technology couldn't survive without man manipulating it or having some kind of control over it it can't be mechanically. I mean, I don't know if they can get machines to self-sustaining. They're not biological until they are. Uh, until, I, I'm, no, no, yeah, I know. I was waiting for that. Yeah, well, there you go. So there we write about it, and then we we have something to write about. Right, right. I, well, I, but I've, do we write about it in a way that you're happy about it, or a way that you're? The, oh, it's oh, a cautionary tale. Well, it's not so much the okay. events; it's the it's the attitude of the storytelling. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I like the cautionary tale where you, you give a little of a little wisdom, you know, a little medicine with the sugar. Uh, but I, I, I like uh, even like like something like Terminator, which is so fucking bleak. There's yeah. still that that hope and 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 that humans are can be right. a fucking you know a monkey in the wrench, you know, like a fucking in, a, a monkey wrench in the system. You know what I mean? And like uh, and so there's that's I, I like that. I like that the human potential is is limitless. So you, we don't even know what the fuck we're capable of. So oh, uh, fuck technology. Let I think people come. forget in, in Terminator, the humans had won. That's how the story begins. The humans had already won. And sending back the Terminator was a last ditch effort on the part of Skynet. So I, I, I actually see it as, oh, yeah, as a positive thing. We had him up against the ropes, yeah. Yep. I've always been more Star Trek than, than uh, so I, I'm not a nihilist. I think that we're uh, simply pragmatically speaking, we're a very successful species because we are good at seeing existential threats and more of us seem to align against that than not. There's always some people that unfortunately, uh, you know, want authoritarianism and want people to tell them what to do. But, but little by little, over, over time, over eras, we've gone from, you know, cavemen hitting each other over the head, kings and people being in charge, to little by little developing this idea of democracy and this idea that everyone's, you know, everyone's opinion should matter. And little by little, we, we, we refine and crystallize the idea of what it is to be a human being. And so, uh, ju and just as any human person I think dropped into America from 200 years ago would probably freak out and, and not understand what's going on. We would probably look at, you know, our society 500 years in the future and not understand, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not better. Uh, I think that we have as a species, a unique, um, a unique attribute of, of consistent self-improvement. Uh, and uh, look at the, look at the, at the end of the day, 
things could be a lot worse even than they are. I mean, like we're, we're in the middle of a, of a historic pandemic. Thank God we have the internet. Thank God we have food deliveries. Uh, thank God we have all of the, you know, we concentrate on people not wearing masks and people not doing what they're supposed to do. But there are so many people who are wearing masks, so many people who are doing what they're supposed to do and, and, and lessening the impact of what could be potentially an, a, a, a species ending event. And Spoiler. We, and we're here, <laughs> and we're here uh, because I think human beings are good. I think human beings, as a general, as a species, we're good, and yeah, we try and, and want to do the right thing. And it's the moral you framework, know really thing, right? You know, like Rod Serling, the you know the the moral, the framing of these things uh, in a in a way uh, that sets us apart from, you know. Uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes people. Right. <laughs> oh God. Wow. The bad Paul. That hurts. I think, I think we I think we inevitably are good because inevitably we need to have to, to sustain ourselves and live. So right. we have to live otherwise if we just we are inherently evil and just want to kill each other, we will destroy ourselves. And we if we just end up on our own, we'll just end up on our own. There's no one else to be with. I mean, you know. I think uh, we, we need need each other at the end of the day. Things that go so far. We 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 regroup as people. As human beings, and we discover ourselves. I think. Is there anything that's too bleak for you guys? Is there anything that you've seen or read or that you wanted to like, and you just said, you know, this is just doesn't have the. It's too bleak. It doesn't have a heart, or or it, it doesn't. It's nihilistic in a way. Well, I mean, reading. Well, comics. comics or news. Films. Well, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. What's really scary is, for me what's been really scary is being fucking psychic about all this shit. Like, mm. like th there's a lot of stuff that I wrote years ago, a couple, five years ago, that's come to fruition. Brooklyn gladiator is the, um, what I thought I basically took the headlines and I said, oh, okay, you know, this is the coming technocracy. That's what I wrote. I was like, this is this is what it's gonna look like. We're gonna all gonna be a fucking walking on line, bread giant fucking bread lines. Everyone's gonna be wearing fucking masks and gas masks, and and we're just everything's gonna be redacted and it's gonna be Orwellian. And yep. I was like, okay, that's that's an interesting universe. And and fuck, am I far off? No. So then I was like, okay, let's do fish kill because it's happening too quickly. So I got to tell this story right now. And I wrote this two two years ago, maybe. Let, uh, fucking Nate, two years ago, and I was like, okay, what are the seeds of this lockdown situation? So what happens is, I pay. Oh, this is uh, this is Bernie's art. Um, but uh, wow, I love the I love the boys. I live in Brooklyn. There's that incident on the Brooklyn Bridge, and I was like, oh, okay, I want to do a story about that cop who's stuck in the fucking you know meter made car on the fucking brooklyn bridge just watching everybody go by and then something happens and he has to be the hero um this is about an incident happening where there's a lockdown they use the opportunity to lock everything down for a long fucking time and it slips into martial law they start administering uh flu shots like it's fucking candy there's so many things. <laughs> there's so many things about it um, that are reminiscent of what's happening right now. That, uh, like, like Andrew said, you know, when this stuff starts popping up, that's what scares me the most. So, what I have been recently been doing is meditating on this just being entertainment, a parallel universe. This did not happen, mm. and we and we are very. <laughs> We're very powerful people. We have we are very powerful creators, and we can, if we want to think about the outcome of how all this is going to happen, I think that we have that ability to you know the the Maharisha effect. You know, if we all think on that, look how fucking amazing we are. You know, creative we are, putting our heads together and making this fun stories. But I think that we can also, you know, we can also if we don't worry, I think if we stay positive, that that ripples out. And other people get that vibe, and then we can survive all this. Yeah, hope, I mean, chaos. hope is very, hope is very important. Hope, hope is potent, and it sounds hippy dippy, but you know, hope and and maintaining the idea that it's still possible 
to come out of this better than where we were. Uh, and I think it's something that we do over and over again. I mean, you know, this, this is terrible. This is horrible. But compared to World War I, World War II, the Holocaust, all this, you know, like humanity has gone through some dark shit. And we've managed to, to find a way out of it having learned and there's always going to be deniers and naysayers and people who who uh, just want to believe what they want to believe because they want to believe it when they want to believe it but uh and they're easy to focus on because they're loud uh but we also focus on them because they're a contrast to the average person you know i, I you know i have a to get too political but I have, I have a friend who lives in georgia and after the uh the capital riots he saw, you know, a lot of his neighbors had Trump flags up. Yeah. And after the Capitol riots, almost all of them started coming down. Like it was almost like there was a bubble that burst and people realized what they were participating in, what were they contributing to, and just said, you know what, no more. We're done. Uh, and I think that faced with reality, most people, people can deny COVID is not real. It's, it's not worse than the flu, blah, blah, blah. But then when someone next to them dies, for most people, reality sinks in. And it I think that's one of our great strengths. Yeah, it's one of attention. our great strengths. Well, what is it well, that James Baldwin said is, uh, I'm a, I am alive, therefore I am an optimist. You know, I've always thought that was like such a great baseline, yeah. you know, kind of way to approach things. It's like, as long as I'm, you know, I don't have a hatchet sticking out of my face, I want to keep thinking, that, you know, things are okay. That's a very specific thing to think about. They you know, have different, like... Uh, it's crazy okay. though because I'm, it's crazy though because you feel like everything is like we're more connected, but it also feels like because we're more connected, we're more detached. Like, mm. n- like, like you just said, until it's happening to you as a neighbor, you don't believe it because yeah, we're connected, but everyone's so detached from it that are like, it, it seems like a sci-fi movie to me, like a Black Mirror episode. It's not going to happen. It's, it's interesting. interesting that you if that. the baselines of optimism are different, mm-hmm. then like the very idea of like oh we can rise to the occasion everybody has it you know if you're if you if your idea of rising to the occasion is being like you know what i'm not going to listen to the gnomes in my head and i'm going to go ahead <laughs> and i'm going to shoot john lennon and then i'm going to sure. jump into the catcher in the rye like gumby and that's your i you know that's rising to the occasion more and more people are going to be like that and that's going to be the problem mm. Yeah, that, that sucks. <laughs> That's happy thought. It's ended the party, I think. I don't know. Okay. Oh, look, could you do me a favor? Don't do any zombie shit. Okay. Because I, if, <laughs> if, if you, ignore Moon Lake then. <laughs> I know. I mean, like, looking out the next three years, when you're looking at the next three years with your crystal ball, could you, like, throw in some, like, supermodels and, like, maybe, like, tap the brakes on the werewolves and shit? But that's why he yeah, does, can I meet you halfway? Does Fantastic Beasts. So no, I want werewolves. Can I meet you halfway? I can meet you halfway because I got a supermodel with a zombie dinosaur. That's pretty you know cool. That's bonus, that's bonus that's points right cool. there. That's oh. bonus points. Yeah. He's done I want to do a werewolf strip club. Like where the women, yep. uh, they're, they're peeling off their clothes and just as they get to the last stuff, all the hair comes out. And they turn into werewolves. Wait, that's fucking hilarious. Wait, Jeff, you have comic books, man. You, we want, you have stuff to write. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm working on it for the first wait, time, dude. Never done anything before. Cool. Do you want to talk about it or what's? I don't know. I always, I don't know. What's the etiquette like? Do, 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 I, I'm going to take. I'm going to take all your ideas. So that's cool. We're talking about comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you I can't because they're all they're all stories about him's adventures with the uh, you know wild adventures interviewing. Right. Basically, that's what that's you're. Really, you know. You, you know. The funny thing is, Dan. There's one thing I'm working on that you're actually a character in. Like, not. I mean, there's a character based on you. It's a true. That's a true thing. Is it the you. is it the werewolf stripper? It's all, it's every werewolf yeah. stripper. It is. It's a good one. I am honored if it is. <laughs> uh, well, that, oh my god, I'm flabbergasted, man. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what it is. But if can we all agree that like if someone steals this idea, with it, we'll we'll forget all this optimism and we'll just go like shoot them. Yeah, we'll come uh, to their cause, house because I, I just really need something. I mean, that's a given. We'll just Fuck you know, just stick a machete. What's that? Oh. You're sticking machete in the head. Don't yeah, talk. once again, back to the divorce. Yeah, I know. just call shotgun on the whole lycanthropy menstruation thing. You know, that'll make it specific enough for your lawsuit. You'll be good. 
Oh You're my good. god, that's nice. Yeah. Thanks, good that's man. Nice. Yeah, I always thought like, if you put it out like this, is like a fucking rec- record, then it's on YouTube and it's living there. It's like, come on, how can you dispute? You can't dispute that. We're all fucking witnesses. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, the, the one of them is a time travel. Uh, there's a uh, time travel. There's a, a, a ship that's launched in the future with all the rich people. It's right before when there's no future. What do you do? You go to the past. So everybody picks where they're going to go. And they're on the way, and they're going to be deposited in the past. That's cool. Everything goes wrong because the crew sucks, and because their preparation <laughs> is bad. And it's a comedy. It's a it's a comedy about what happens when Love we it. go back and try to do things right, uh, and everything yeah. goes wrong. Hmm. Okay, it was actually the thing I really liked about Seven Soldiers of Victory. Wow, you read yeah. that? Yeah, the thing about how it's like, oh, the fairies are actually, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, you know what I felt bad for is Wing. Remember Wing in Seven Seven Soldiers of Victory? Like the oh old, yeah yeah the Crimson. They, he just ceased to. Everybody forgot him. And, I mean, that's yeah. sad. That's yeah. sad. They just erased him. And stuff. You guys want to go around? We got about we got about ten minutes left. You guys want to go around and pitch and you know just you know just talk about stuff you're working on currently, and then we can schnagaggle a fraggle. Yes. I mean, you know, move on. <laughs> that's. <laughs> That's my vernacular. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, go ahead, Jeff. You want to just kind of well, start? Well, I did mine. I did mine. I did. So, yeah, I did that. I'll do that. Well, what's your, you, you, got your, you got your podcast, man. Talk about your podcast. Oh, oh yeah, shit. Okay. Yeah, so podcast, uh, uh, Kyle Newman's coming on. Uh, cool. And I got, I got uh, Rain Wilson on this week coming up. And cool. uh, last week, uh, was John Densmore. I mean, like Rock and Roll oh, Hall of Fame drummer from The Door. Wow. Oh, like, very cool. Yeah, it's, it's oh, pretty fuck, awesome, dude. Amazing. The doors, yeah, but, right? That's the doors. That's, yeah, that's the doors. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! And he's you know he. What's great about John Densmore? Uh, I'll keep it short. Is that he? Um, you know, Jim Morrison didn't want the Doors to let their songs be used in ads. Uh, when the the Opal, uh, the uh, Chevy Opal, they used Light My right. Fire, he found out he went crazy and through a television. Yeah, uh, movie. Yeah, well, the commercial actually never aired. Oliver Stone just kind of made that up because it never got to the public. Oh, just, really? Uh, yeah, never aired. So, oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah and the whole JFK thing. Well, never. Mind. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the thing is, is that when it happened, the band agreed that everybody had veto power, right? And then Jim dies, and now uh, I meet Jim, uh, John Densmore, and I say you're the most dangerous man in rock and roll. He's the only guy from any classic rock band that the doors are the only classic rock band. That's not in TV commercials. Uh, everybody else is hmm. everybody. Now Beatles, uh, you got Bob Dylan and Kaiser Permanente and Paul McCartney, Fidelity Investments and Stones, AmeriQuest Mortgage. Like they're counterculture heroes of the sixties or the house band of modern corporate America, you know, mm-hmm. except the doors because of John Densmore. Um, Ray Manzarek and Robbie Krieger, they sued him for fiduciary irresponsibility. And that's not very rock and roll, dude. Like, mm. <laughs> fiduciary irresponsibility? Come on. Um, <laughs> great song. Yeah, I, 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 great. And, and Manzarek is like, you know, we got to do this. To, uh, he's passed away since this article ran. Um, but he, he was like, you know, this is, it's cool now. You can do advertising in tasteful ways. It's not a sellout anymore. Um, so he said, tell Densmore to come join us and we'll go on the, the road again. And we'll keep this music alive. So I go to John, cause they're not speaking. So he told me to tell you this. And Densmore, he, this is classic. He goes, yeah, tell him I'll fucking be there when Jim shows up. <laughs> it's like dark. It was dark. So anyway, uh, that's what I'm up to. That's uh... yeah. <laughs> just a little. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Wait, All wait, right. end it light. Dennis, what do you do, man? Uh, I'm working with you on some cool stuff. Uh, we got some cartoon stuff we're working on. Uh, I'm doing a writing and drawing a graphic novel uh, for Sandy Carpenter uh, about a uh, FBI agent investigating a murder in a small town in which all of the denizens are werewolves called oh, Second Nature. Oh, love that. So it's, it's basically Twin Peaks uh, with werewolves. Oh, I love uh, that. So I'm working on that. And then after that, I'll be working on a children's graphic novel. Uh, about uh, this sort of classic monsters, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, but they're all mice, and it's called Mouster's Attack, and I'm looking forward to uh, writing and painting that. Uh, And I'm also working on a project uh, that will reveal (laughs) that Justin looks just like Chris Pine. 
I'm going to just put that out there. <laughs> thank you. Thank no, you. Hey. no one has pointed that out. It's weird that no one said anything. Let, let him know. Let him know. And then if he needs that, that stunt. He is just... Chris Pine. This is his secret identity. <laughs> Uh, Chris Pine's dad was on Chips. Did you guys know that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Chris, uh, Lieutenant Cotrer, it was uh, that's Chris Pine's dad, and he did a TV commercial with wow. Shatner, a Priceline commercial where he's a chauffeur what? and he's driving Shatner, and he goes, "My son's the new Kirk," and Shatner's like, "What are you talking about?" Like he got really pissed <laughs> off. Oh, that's cool. I've never seen that. Damn it! Stop the car! Scotty, beat me up! Wait, is that Brando? Uh, that was my Brando. That's no, how I do it. <laughs> my, my, my impressions are always a combination of two other impressions. It was <laughs> James <laughs> Tiberius Kirk turned yeah. into Jor-El there for a second. Or, was like, like, uh, his best impressions was like, are, are the, the walking ones. <laughs> my new show is a mashup of impression show. You have to mash What do you mean I'm funny? Not funny. Um, Biz, Good. me. I'm just getting shit done. Good man. Good man. Good. Just getting shit done. Looking after the family. Nice. They're safe and uh, you know that's about it. And just busy. And being a fucking legend. You're a fucking legend. I mean, that's a full time job. Show, show, show Dan what right. you were drawing. It's pretty badass. He was just working on something before. No, sure. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm doing it. I'm done. I've got a lot of Kickstarter stuff. I've got to finish a lot of drawing sketches. Signing a lot of books. So I got. I'm currently doing that. Yeah. You gotta come man. on my podcast, man. Please, if you yeah, would. yeah, yeah. I knew you guys would. I knew you guys would want to, or, or Jeff would want to talk to you. Uh, so hold on, okay. So hold on. Uh, who do we got here? So we got Justin. What are you doing, brother? I'm working with you on a bunch of stuff. We're trying <laughs> yeah. to push this out. And then What's going on over heavy metal, man? What's uh, like you know? It's going. Uh, you know what? Uh, we got some cool stuff like we got we got Fishkill 4 Fishkill 3 is coming out next week and then we got Fishkill 4 Brooklyn Glider 4 coming out then we got our trades we got the second Moon Lake and we got the third so last year and this year we're gonna walk into 2022 is just Dan carrying like a stack of like books and the comic cons hopefully and then uh we've been working on a horror game my own one uh using like some tech it's gonna be like that tv show Mindhunter meets seven meets oh, that's uh, cool Oh, yeah, wow. so I'm trying to make it as like creepy as I possibly can, and then I'll share it. Let's busy, talk busy, about the busy bass pedal. The busy bass oh, pedal. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> I, I do. I, I work with pedals on the side, and uh, I sent. I sent. Do you guys know that like busy just shreds? He's like crazy good at guitar. Oh man. yeah. Bass, yeah. So, uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna work we're gonna make a bass pedal for Biz. The busy bass pedal. It's on. The BPP. <laughs> Dude, we I don't think you can get any cooler. Can you get any cooler, dude? Like that's like dangerously cool. Like have have him go on to your podcast and just listen to him just jam. Well, that's yeah. called a theme song. I am not yeah. paying for we'll it either. Dan, Dan, that's the that's the the theme song for Brooklyn Glitter. Just have Bisley just yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> fuck heavy as fuck, heavy as fuck. Yes, if we change, right. if we change the name for. Google Screamer, can we just have to be that? Turn yeah. That we, pedal? Yeah. yeah, we can. Yeah. Ooh. And that, okay, um, so that's that's the other thing. Finishing that up. Yeah. Um, we got another project we haven't worked on. We have. Yeah, there's so much going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Uh, uh, it's great. And and uh, Drew, my brother, so happy to see you, man, live. You happy about all this, man? Got stuff all over the show. It's I'm psyched, great, right? Yeah. What uh, Star Wars stuff? You're doing a lot of Star Wars stuff right now. Yeah, yeah. I've been working on. Uh, I've been doing a lot of audio only stuff. Alexa, um, they call them skills. They're like games apps. Uh, and the one now that's actually currently part of it's out. Uh, C3PO translates, and I uh, actually got to write it with Anthony Daniels. Really cool. Oh, cool. Uh, and so far, right, it's it's part of that's the awesome. Amazon Alexa Free Time Unlimited. You learn Shrewook and Droid Speak. I just Whoa. finished the first draft of the Ewokies update, and then I'm gonna do Huddies, and that's just, just a lot of fun. That's awesome. And I'm trying to like recanonize all these old Ewok things, like the Dulocks and the and the Sun King and all that stuff. You know, um, so that's a lot of fun. That's that's been a blast. I've uh, I've been trying to see if like I could get the vaccine 
but apparently teaching people Ewokies is an essential service. Um, oh, that, I like, call nonsense so, on that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I can't nub my friend. So that I want to get. I know, right? Uh, yub nub means freedom, and it also means hooray. Just so what? you guys know. Yeah. Um, I'm just sign on. word for nothing left to lose. Eager to get back into comics. Uh, also, because if you live in Los Angeles, you actually have to have a podcaster. They make you leave. Apparently, <laughs> um, I started a new pod. I was on an old podcast. Started a new one called "Let's Kill Ourselves," and uh, <laughs> the most recent episode that came out it was about how the uh, the Domino's there's the Domino's Pizza Noid was cursed because they oh. on the shamans of the indigenous Sami people of Finland. Right, that makes sense. No, that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. It tracks all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sign off now uh, uh, with great love as uh, Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this right now uh, and bestow great um, love and, and honor and treasures onto all of you in Hutties. You ready? <laughs> and then someone has to... yeah salacious from yes yeah, yeah. Someone comes <laughs> all right perfect Mwah. i love you guys that was great <laughs> thank you for going on yeah. 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 Yeah.